Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. We thank you for making us one of the most watched podcasts about uh, addiction and recovery. I'm Randall Carlisle, my co-host Rachel Santizo, and our guest is Jen Harris, uh, who we will introduce in a second. Welcome, both of you. I, you. I came across this article. I'm a recovering alcoholic, so this applies to me, but it okay. could apply to a lot of people we know that part of the... Uh, uh, the what kind of uh, the trillion dollar infrastructure package that was signed by President Biden? A little part of it, I saw this, and it's it would require autom- automakers to include monitoring systems to stop intoxicated drivers in all new vehicles as early as 2026. Wow! And how would they do this? Well, you know how people have to, when they're convicted of a DUI, yeah. they have to put a alcohol monitoring device in their car yeah. that they have to blow into before they can drive away or the car won't start. What do you think? Well, how would you uh, monitor uh, narcotics? I mean, alcohol's kind of easy, but right. would that be a heart rate thing? Would that be I a... Don't, maybe they're just aiming it at alcohol because that still would cut down on the number oh, of, yeah. you know... I'm a fan. Yeah, I don't know if I'm a fan. I, well, I think it makes sense because you couldn't you couldn't drive a car if you had alcohol on your breath. Yeah. Which would make the road safer. So I guess my my initial instinct is just that control factor, but I also see where they're coming from. So I have to work through my feelings on this one. I don't know my what I really feel about it. I'm all for controlling people who have been drinking not yeah. to drive, even yeah. though I'm a recovering alcoholic, because yeah. I'm I'm just lucky that I never got a DUI or I never killed anyone. Right, which know. is that's fair, that's fair. So yeah, yeah, I'm totally a fan. I yeah. you know for me, again, like I had to be stopped. You know what I mean? I couldn't make yeah. conscious choices that didn't involve just me. So I didn't think of our community. I didn't think of my children right. in the back seat. You know what I mean? And that would have been nice to have been stopped. Well, I think further about it as well, like what in what cars are these going to be placed? New cars. New cars. Yeah. How many people are going to have <laughs> new cars? Well, like where's the money being be a placed? Slow thing, you know. Yeah. You know, the flip side that just dawned on me is an awful lot of the people that we know in treatment yeah. are in treatment because they got busted for DUI a number of times. Right. So if you can't drive a car because it won't start because you've been drinking, right? then maybe you won't get busted and you won't be able to deal, you won't be forced to deal with your problem like right. you are now. Like, is this where the money should be placed? Like, I, I just have to think about it further. Okay. Yeah. All right. Our guest today, as, as we all know and we've talked about, uh, addiction is a complicated, lifelong disease that has a mm-hmm. bunch of ups and downs. And Jen Harris is a friend of both yours and mine. Yeah. And, and you're a perfect example of ups and downs. Oh, yeah. Right? They should call me ups and downs. <laughs> yeah. Ups and downs, Jen Harris is our guest. <laughs> Tell us about your ups and downs and how, how it all began. So I started using really young. I was eight years old. And so drugs eight? had been eight. So drugs have been in my family wow. for a long time. And the reason why I started at eight, so my father got murdered because of drugs. Mm-hmm. And I had access. So my mom started using more after we lost my dad. And so there was alcohol in our house. And my friend's mother, bless her heart, they gave her Valium because she lost her son. 
And so sometimes I was inconsolable. Like, I just lost my dad. And she, you know, bust me off a little piece. This was, you know, in late 70s, early 80s. So When Valiant was pretty easy to get and right. widely prescribed. And not seen as this thing that you can die. You know, now we know. Now that we have the science that, like, you can actually die from benzo detox. So I don't think they knew. And I don't think, I honestly believe she wasn't trying to harm me. I think she was trying to help me. And as a, yeah. as a you know, as a culture, we're kind of like, you got a headache, you got to take a pill, take a pill, take, take, right. take a pill. So, um, so you were taking Valium at eight. And drinking alcohol. So two of the oh, deadliest yeah. I had access to, right? And so, um, you know, and the thing is, is I drank alcoholically from the first time. I had that trauma from losing my dad and some pain. My mom kind of turned away from us as children, which oh, I get, right? Yeah. I couldn't imagine losing my favorite human and then having my, you know, like my children and seeing my children and seeing my husband and my children and not having to... You know, she didn't have the tools. She was 15. My dad was 14. So very young, right? 23, he dies. Tragicness. So. So you're in third. I'm trying to think when you're eight, you're in third grade, right? I know. So so were you going to grade school high? I mean. I mean I'm, I'm smiling. It's sort of sad. It's, but, well, yeah, it's sad I, when I see my daughter. You know what I mean? Oh, when I yeah. see my daughter at eight, I was like, what is happening? But. And felt really sad for the little Jen that was eight years old right. and treating pain and loss and um, fear with alcohol and benzos. And soon I was crying just to get another piece of that benzo. You know what I mean? The pain had kind of subsided because I was treating it with alcohol. And I was addicted immediately, even with the drinking. I, my, they had a party for my mom. You know, she was really depressed. And they were drinking out of those little solo cups. Those red solo, solo cups. cups. Oh, yeah. Telling and they brought a cake and all the things, yeah. right? And I saw these adults dancing and laughing. And I saw my mom, you know, finally come out of the room and dance a little bit. She danced and she smiled. And they were all drinking out of the cup. And I grabbed one of the cups and went and hid in the shadows. It was in our backyard. And drank it. And boom, that magical thing that happens and you started to dancing me. too. Yeah. And I was happy. And I was excited. And, it felt, and I wanted more. That's the biggest thing, right? I wanted more. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as the night goes on, the couples start doing their things and people dissipate. And I grabbed every solo cup I could find and put them all on that. Our, we had a table um, outside. And I literally pulled cigarette butts out of those cups and drank it anyways. As an eight-year-old. So I drank alcoholically from the first moment that I drank. You were hardcore. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> So, so how'd that progress through life? Then? Oh, shit. So, so I learned that I can self-soothe and um, deal with trauma and pain. Not necessarily consciously, but apparently kind of, right? As a right. child, that that's how we do that. Take something, take something. And then it just went through, you know, I didn't stop using until I was 34. So I went through, you know, one drag after another. Drinking became a problem because... Um, I peed on things. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's I was, That's it was a thing. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. I wasn't allowed at people's house. Why did you? That wasn't me. You probably did that. She peed on the yeah. couch. <laughs> and I don't remember. Yeah. I wasn't running the show. That's right. that's the kind of drinker I am. I'm blackout drinker. I don't drink because I'd like a buzz or because it pairs well with the steak. Yeah. I drink because I want to get loaded. 
Right. right? That's and what so, I did. Yeah. yeah it's not because it tastes good. Though <laughs> <No. laughs> so my brain tells me it tastes good and I crave it now sometimes, you know? Yeah. But I know that it's a trick. Like I, And I, so, so drugs you went through included oh, everything? All, all the things. All the things. Narcotics. Um, so it started, it went from that to marijuana, the alcohol and the benzos to marijuana, and then it was kind of an access thing, what I had access to. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of sick, really young. I remember being <laughs> young, and I don't know what grade I was in, but they had the glue, and there was rubber cement, oh. and it and smelled it. so good. Yeah. I, I yeah. hit that thing, and I remember I hit it, and I would sniff it. I, and I, I don't know. I just loved the smell of it, yeah. still with gas. Got to hold my breath when I'm filling up the tank. Is that going to affect you? I have to reset my sobriety time if I really take a deep, love that smell of gas. How did it go? So in grade school, how did you do in school? Grade school and then junior high? Not a lot. I didn't do a lot. How about that? You know yeah. what I mean? Like do my you mom. Even remember? I remember feeling lonely. I remember question. being in class and feeling like everybody got the question. Everybody knew the answer. When a teacher asked a question, I was, I wasn't even sure what she was trying to say. Right. So I remember those feelings. I don't. You know, I remember getting to class late a lot. My mom really struggled school wasn't that important they didn't have like truancy tickets like I have now like my kid don't go to school we're gonna have a conversation um so not a lot of that happened um high school junior high was hard just emotionally the girls and that's that's a really tough time too junior Mm -hmm. high is trying to find out who you are and where do I fit in and am mm -hmm. I cute and am I worthy right you know what I mean and my home life is telling me that I'm not all the things that everybody else seems to be smart, loved, um, able to do basic human conversations right. where I'm, you know what I mean, sniffing the glue. <laughs> yeah. She's high all the time. Don't yeah. talk to her. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. She says some weird stuff. I don't even think she's speaking English. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I struggled. And then in high school, um, my drinking had excelled to... A pivotal point right so like not able to function doing those weird things that I do fighting with people I love sleeping with people I can't stand that kind of behavior Mm -hmm. where it just none of it makes sense and I'm not able to function Mm -hmm. how was home life at that point so you had brothers and sisters yeah so I have I'm the oldest so I have younger so I have one that's like the original team right me my brother my mom and my real dad so there's three of us left. And then my mom got remarried, and she has, we have two others. I have two other brothers that are also delightful. Um, and addiction runs in my family also, side note. Uh, but so, like, my mom had spiraled out. My stepdad also was, so crack cocaine had been introduced to our family. Okay. And so they were busy doing that, and I was pretty much hanging out with my brothers, you know, trying to take care of him and do that thing. And so did that have an effect on you, having a stepdad come in and then also that introduction of the crack and, and oh, that yeah. as well? It was creepy. He was a creepy dude, made my mom creepier. Yeah. I mean, he's a great dude. He's in recovery now. See, that's that thing. Addiction is a family, can be. My experience is that addiction is, for me, is a family, it's a generational thing, right? Sure. Right. But so is recovery. That's the cool piece, if we can get there, right? So my stepdad's in recovery, my mom's in recovery, um, 
my new stepdad, who's an absolute delight, is also in recovery. My brother's got 18 years. Your husband? My husband, my delicious husband. <laughs> he has some time, and he is glorious. Yes. My kids, my son's got 17 years. He's never used. We got him a chip because he wanted one. It's a big deal for him. So how did you make the transition from being hooked on everything and relying yeah. on substances to numb your pain to being the cheerful, wonderful person you are now? <laughs> I mean, did you just snap your fingers and say, oh, okay, I wish. God, I would have done that a decade earlier if that was the <laughs> case. Um, so I have to be stopped. If I'm using, yeah. you know, and that's that, <clears throat> how they talk about just don't have the first drink, right? Just don't. Right. Which is key, crucial, because... Um, to me, it is. If I have one, yeah. I'll have 50. Yeah. Dude, I've never had one in my life. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no yeah. one. Just have a sip of this wine, because it's really... You know, those wine-tasting trips I, in, you know, <laughs> yeah, outside of San Francisco. Who does like, that? God, Imagine me peeing in the cup. place. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no sorry. Okay, yeah. so yes. So the transition looks like I have to be stopped. Luckily, DCFS stepped in my life. And, you know, for me, this has been so just bouts of, like, knowing there was a problem, not wanting to live like that, and, you know, creator stepping in and throwing in these things like rehab, rehab. I did, like, a spin dry in Highland Ridge, those type of things, right? Just trying, but not... I knew I had a problem. I just didn't think it was able... I was able to fix it. I thought that I would always use one thing or another. You know what I mean? That there always had to be something on board. I didn't trust not having something on board. And I didn't really think that was real. To be honest, I didn't really believe people mm -hmm. didn't do something. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So um, went to, ended up going the last time when, it, when I was willing, not when it worked, but when I was willing to do it, I went to House of Hope. I took my kids in with me. Um, I was on methadone. I was the first woman to graduate and kick methadone ever at House of Hope. Nice. Which is profound because at that time, you know, drug court wasn't accepting MAT or MAR, Ooh. right? Medicated assisted recovery, medicated assisted treatment. Like that wasn't a thing. It was more like you're just replacing one thing with another, which. Right. I and Odyssey was like that for a long, I know. long, long time. They were. House of Hope was like, get off it. And it was so dangerous for me. Mm -hmm. The rates that they were, and they were doing their, everybody was doing their best, right? We didn't know. Again. Once we know, we know, right. but we don't know until we know. And so now I'm so grateful that we have more information about harm reduction out there. Absolutely. I'm a, I love that in my life and to offer that to my peers and my job. Um, so you go through House of Hope. Go through House of Hope. Kids. Kick methadone. I stayed there for 21 months. And, you know, insurance won't cover that kind of stuff now. But at the time I did 10 months res and then 11 months uh, day treatment. And I was able to stay sober for a long time. Um, you know, started working the 12 steps, found a, a community that supported my recovery, went back to school, so put a lot on my plate. And then life happened, right? And some things, some tragic, right? Things happened. Yeah. So I got pregnant. My husband loves children. I don't really like children. Um, I know. Probably going to hell. I heard there's a special yeah. place for me there. <laughs> I'm so excited. But, um, just being honest. Hey, I get to be me today. Yes. You know, and I'm a glorious human. I'm also a creepy as hell, so that's fine. We'll just try to stay in the gray. <laughs> the glorious and creepy Jen. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so I get pregnant, and um, 
you know, my husband loves children, such a good father, builds the nursery, blah, 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 the kids are involved, and then the baby dies. So um, that was hard. That was a hard one. And this one I wanted, kind of, because <laughs> I was sober. We could have a sober baby. Yeah. What if, what if, right? All these possibilities and endless, like, you know, not making mistakes like I did with my children, my, mm -hmm. the ones that uh, I have. So um, then it became the perfect storm, right? I lose my Medicaid, so I lose my psych meds. I have, I have like, mental illness that's profound in my recovery in the sense that recognizing that I have it and then treating it right because it's not just about the substances it's about the way I respond and my brain and how it works do we have time it's mm -hmm. okay um I just keep looking I, not that I'm bored I just keep looking to keep track of okay time. we Give have the exactly wind. 13 or, minutes left okay, okay. perfect that's All my right. favorite number so um Yes, so the perfect storm happens. I'm off my psych meds. I'm sober, off my psych meds, lost the baby. They, I found a tumor in my uterus, had to remove that. Um, so no more kids. And the weird women part of losing that organ does a right. thing, right? Mm -hmm. It does Absolutely. a thing. And I wouldn't know. I know. <laughs> I've, I've, gone, I've gone through that because yeah. I had a hysterectomy. It just, it hits you in a way. It's yeah. indescribable. Yeah, I understand yeah. it. It just does a thing. Yeah. Um, and so... It's definitely a loss that you have to go through. Right, and mm -hmm. it does that physical thing where like your body's now having to, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, it's just I a do. thing. Say you lost one of the boys. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a thing, like yeah, it would do a is. thing. You mm -hmm. wouldn't be like, one They're still chunk. there, yeah. it's okay. Yeah, yeah it's fine, <laughs> yeah. but ours isn't, yeah. and it's still okay. And that was yeah. getting to that point, right, where I had right. to be like, I'm still okay. And so, um, or you have to try to get to that point where you know you will be. Yeah, and it was very hard for me. I so didn't, you relapsed. Is I really did. Too. Yes, thank you, Randall. Yes. Relapsed. But what happened before that was my mental health. I tried to commit suicide Ooh. in sobriety because I knew I couldn't use again. I saw what happened. I, I did that long enough. I knew I couldn't use again, but I couldn't handle what was happening. All the things. My husband broke his back. One of my friends overdosed, all the things, right? Just life things. But I didn't have the tools to deal with that. And I wasn't reaching out and I was just um, suffering in silence. And so I tried to commit suicide. That didn't work. Um, and then a beautiful friend of mine talked to me and said, you know, I just told my family I relapsed. Because that's, everybody gets that. You're a drug addict. Of course you relapsed. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. as shock. Mm -hmm. So my husband, my mom, my children, nobody questioned it. But I was working with this woman who's really profound um, can you name drop? Sure. Yeah. Mary Jo McMillan. Oh. Mama, I knew it. Yeah, yeah, I knew I it. Her. I knew it. Sarah, right? So yeah. she looked at me and said, mm, I don't think you just really relapsed, Jen. Because, you know, I'd been working with her. She knows yeah. that I know that I know. Like, And so she saw me, and um, we had lunch, and I got a little offended. I was like, you don't know me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So then I went to the liquor store, started drinking. And then I was off to the races, started shooting heroin. I'd never shot heroin before in my life. I'm not one of those drug addicts. You know what I mean? It kept yeah. me using because I was classy. I just smoke or take my pills or whatever, yeah. right? Next thing you know, I find myself shooting up. I lose my kids again. I lose all faith in myself and in humanity, and I'm stuck in that same place again. And so... The cool piece is that I had had sobriety, so I knew that there was hope. Like, I knew there was a way out. Right. So, you know, going back to when I first got sober, I didn't know. 
I did not know that I could get and stay sober, but since I had already been, I knew there was a way out. I knew what I needed to do, and that's, so I just did what I needed to do. What'd you do? I went to VOA. And, you know, I, I had to keep trying because I was controlled by the beast, right? Yeah. So I was like, got three days. I'm good. I just need three days. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just get off the drugs, test clean. We good. Well, that's <laughs> not it, girl. Yeah. You've got more behaviors, more shame, more guilt, more resentment that you've piled on in this last two years. And, and you need to work through it. And it's okay. But I was like, no, I just need to pull myself up by my bootstraps and get a job. Right? Yeah. And instead... Um, I let DCFS and Family Drug Court show me what to do next. So I just surrendered. I was like, you know better than I do, and you guys, it worked last time, so I'm just going to surrender and let you show me what the next right step is. I did what I told them. They told me to. I never got a dirty. I didn't, you know what I mean? I just knew that it had worked before, so I let go. But it was hard to get me in the, in the rooms, in the yeah. detox, you know what I mean? In the, in the back to HA, you know what I mean? I started that meeting in HA. And I, to walk back in those doors as a newcomer, um, because of my ego, because of the shame that I felt already, it like almost kept me out, but I knew that there was relief there. So it was like, just like being in a crack house, you know, if they're mad at you or whatever, you you don't say, (laughs) I know there's good stuff in there. I'm not, but I'm not going in. So how long have you been clean? So I got clean on 420-2017. Wow. And I didn't choose that day. That's my higher power thinking it's hilarious. 420, everybody partying on Jan's day. Because, like, for me, you know, I, I love our population. Yeah. I love being an addict. And I love people who are in active addiction or in recovery. Right. Like, to me, it doesn't matter. We're the most magical people I've ever met on the planet. Our problem-solving skills, our ability to love and truly love, our ability to be in pain. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, all those things, I just think that, um, you know, we're amazing humans. And I feel so blessed to be able to work in this field and to have friends who have recovered and to have children, you know, that are, um, you know, my daughter has been struggling, but my son is not. And to be able to just be, like, able to show up to life. I can sit through pain today without having to treat it because it'll pass. Oh, yeah. So you, so, your last, uh, the last organization to help you was VOA. Yes. Now, mm-hmm. that leads us to, where are you working now? VOA Detox. <laughs> For the women and children. Yeah, it's my passion. She's, yes. She, I, I, I've been out there many times, and it's a beautiful facility, mm-hmm. uh, and you are beloved out there because people are not necessarily very happy when they're in detox, right? Worst and, day ever. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and people there love you. Describe what you do there. I mean, because people, I could tell just, you know, when we've come to meet with client, your clients there, uh, they, they all look up to you. When I think it's important, too, because that's where I went was the Women and Children's Center, and it shut down. Mm-hmm. And then it just reopened, well, it reopened a couple years ago, and it's such a necessary space here in Salt Lake City. So I'm so glad it, that it reopened, and I'm glad that you are there. You're the perfect fit, and you had to go through all of this to be reunited and to be there right now. So I love that part of it, just as you're explaining. And so just the, how necessary it is to be here in Salt Lake. Oh, we need it. A place and, and for women and children. And you're helping people just like you. I know. Exactly. <laughs> I took my exactly. there. My daughter took her first three steps on the lawn while I was waiting for the bed to open up for me. 
Like it's it's profound mm-hmm. in my recovery. I have this emotional attachment. So, you know, my favorite thing to do is just welcome them home. That's what's important to me is that I show up and I welcome my ladies back and that I don't have an agenda for them. That I just welcome them back and I show them love and I say, what are we going to do? What do you want to do? You know what I mean? Yeah. They want to go out and use. Let's find an easier way, a safer way for you to access what you need. Like the Utah Harm Reduction Coalition. Yeah. I mean, I believe in all that. So I'm willing to just, the Utah Naloxone, all those things, right? Yeah. Let's give everybody information and tools to make better choices. Yeah. And then if that doesn't work, come back. We'll try something else. What else? Because I don't, you know, I like to plant seeds of you're loved. You're worthy. You can yeah. do this. I did it. You know what I mean? And I was gutter snipe junkie. <laughs> and I know you guys are weird about language, and I get it, because there's this language thing. It's important, the words we say. But it's also important to identify where I was, and that was me. And yeah. so to see my people come in, because, you know, we're homeless. We, you don't have to be insured. Mm-hmm. Anybody can come through our doors for the most part. And so, um, you know, to see people at that low part coming in with their demons, you know how we come in with all that stuff. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And to just love all of them. Come here, you little, you know, <laughs> horned creature. All of them. And and say, okay, what do we want to do? And just love them. All you got to yeah. do is love them. And they're worthy of being loved. Every human I meet there, you know, some of us come in real angry or pee on things or all these things. And I'm like, yes. Exactly. <laughs> I get that. I've done that. So just loving them through that process. Like, I don't have to change them. I don't have to. They're fine. We are all inherently fine. Mm -hmm. They've survived for how long and what conditions, right? right? But here's a respite. Put some soap on it. Have a snack. Take a, you know what I mean? Take a nap. Watch a movie. Let's talk, you know? And then we find out what they want to do, and I just am their greatest cheerleader. One of the most common questions that I get about Volunteers of America and Detox, whether if it's at the, um, like the adult or the women's center, is do you have to be high to get a bed? You have to need our services. So we are a detox center. We mm-hmm. not, are not a shelter. We're not um, any of those things. So, mm-hmm. yes, um, you need to be detoxing to come okay. to access our services. Okay, it's a common question among the community. Sure. So, and are okay. you are you full all the time? Nothing's all. Well, if you're asking me at all, most of the time, like, <laughs> we are full a lot, and and there's yeah. a high turnover rate, right? We right. can be full and then all of a sudden have five beds, because you know what I mean. Sometimes it's like everybody gets a snack and then leaves, right? Which is fine. Come back if you need our services. So for the women's center, do you have to have children to go there? No. No, you do not. But we love it if you do. You know what I mean? What a cool deal. And, and you keep seeing people coming to your place, leaving, coming back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see miracles happen. I swear. That's what I was going to ask you. I mean, so how do you feel when somebody, when you, when you run into somebody who was at your place and you see them in some other setting and they're doing really well? How does that make you feel? It makes me feel it's it's hard because it makes me feel elated like to this to that you know what I mean like excitement which can turn into fear real quick in my mind so I get I just here's the thing if I see somebody doing well I feel excited but if I see somebody and they're in active addiction I feel excited too 
It's just seeing my people anywhere out in the community, mm -hmm. knowing that we have a connection is what's most powerful for me. Sure, do I want to see people succeed? Absolutely, but what is success? It's in each person's yeah. own eyes, right? So I don't know, it's difficult. It's good to make a connection and see anyone in any place in their life for me. You think you'll ever relapse again? I don't know. I know I'm going to say I can't answer today. that either. Yeah, I don't anyway. know. I'm not. That's that's a trick question because I don't know. But I know because I did what I do that worked yesterday, has worked 100 percent of the time so far. Is um, you know I've done my dailies, I've done my things. Yeah. So I've made a commitment today already to stay sober. So we're going to do it today for sure. And we said, and we should say you insisted that we do the serenity prayer before mm -hmm. we started this podcast, yeah. right? Yeah, because I like to invite my creator with me. I'm full of ego, whether it's I'm this thing under the table looking up at you guys and I'm unworthy, or I'm up here and I pretty much, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're, you're pretty <laughs> much up there. Pretty much yeah. badass, yeah. you know? And I'm both those things, right? But um, so my ego gets in the way and it'll do these things and I want to say this, but really, mm. higher power, like for me, my creator has a plan. And, but if yeah. I show up with my ego, I tend to get myself in trouble. And because this is really just to help one person, right? Yeah. This is not for the masses, though if it does, brilliant. But right. really, for, for me, when I show up, it's just to help one person. God help me help one person in some way, right? So um, in order to do that, though, I have to ask for help. I have to ask. Because I'll, fuck, dude. You know what I mean? No. Half a nip, that's all you get. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love you. Yeah, so it's, you know. You know what's so interesting to me is that your whole life was created based around, like, alcohol and drugs. Yeah. Like, that's that was your whole life. That like, was normal. Yeah. I, but what's the most interesting that stuck out to me, Jen, is that you started from a solo cup and dancing, right? Like, that was your first, like, that you saw, well, not first, but, no, but what stuck out to me but what stuck out to me when I first met you is when we were at USARA, I mean, this was years ago, mm -hmm. and you dancing. You would always dance. And that was sober. We, I've seen you so many times, and we've done so much work with it, sober or not, right? But, like, it's dancing. Like, it's not actually the drugs or alcohol. It's actually dancing no matter what setting that you're in. And so I wanted to point that out to you. Oh, yeah. I, hope I that love you dancing. you realize that, like, without any of that like you don't have to have either one but it's actually the dancing like is you can take one movement right and create create all the new memories all the new um you can create whatever you want it's actually that dancing piece like jen's the dancer Dude, i love it you I know, know what i get my girls to do it the, the, the yeah <laughs> you are lady. up all the time i know yeah we're out of time i and this podcast hopefully will inspire people that yeah. recovery is possible and, and and you're one of the most inspirational people mm -hmm. we've had if you can go from all the way of age eight yeah. drinking and doing valium and That's... and continuing on and on and on and on and on yeah. to what you're doing today that, that any recovery is possible for anybody right I promise and even if you're a high bottom right you don't yeah. have to go where i went you didn't have to start at eight if you're struggling with um, any type of use, substance, or, or otherwise, sex, you know what I mean, whatever, um, that you can find a way out from repeated behavior. There is a way out yeah. that's causing you to suffer. Thank you for your inspiration. Yeah. It was great having you. <laughs> I know. Thank you for inviting me. You're a wonderful I was like, you sure we should do this? You know, I'm going to say something, right? <laughs> 
I didn't swear. She, she was I didn't swear once. She was concerned about the F word, and we didn't hear it once. So. F bomb. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Look at me. Thanks, Thanks for your inspiration. <laughs> thank, thank you. Jen. Thank you for watching another edition of Odyssey House Journals.